There's a man, uh, Dwight Jones. Um, he was a National Geographic photographer for 20 years. So if anyone subscribed to National Geographic in the room, couple, wow, it's not exactly, yeah. Not a hot subject, but it was good. But if you flick those open, they had the most stunning pictures of the world. And Dwight Jones was one of these guys that captured it for 20 years. And he gave this talk, Celebrate What's Right with the World. And I encourage you to look at it. Great talk. And he had this concept, the lens we choose transforms the way we look at things. Now, he's an amazing, beautiful photographer, but the way that he depicted pictures to find joy in the spaces was really interesting. He told this story of one day when uh, he was in British Columbia taking a photo shoot, and it was uh, really just terrible weather. Um, it was really gloomy. The shots weren't coming whatsoever, and he trundled his stuff together to get ready to go out and as he went out, he saw a boy sitting on the steps. This little five-year-old boy called Adam was standing there, smiling with his camera in hand, and said, hey, uh, you have, do you have a camera? And he had a full set and said, yes, I have my camera. He says, I have my camera. Can I go do a photo shoot with you? And Dwight was like, I don't really want to in his head, but he was like, mm, okay, sure, fair enough, let's go. And so on the shoot, he would go at different places. He would take his shot, and the little boy would nestle in in front of the stand and take his picture. And Dwight would say, did you get the shot? And he said, I got the shot. And they would move along, and he loved this boy, Adam, because there was such a contagious smile on his face. Everywhere he went, even though the weather was gloomy, it was you know, it was still joyful. And Adam sat down, and Dwight was standing, getting ready for another shot. And you could just see Adam smiling at him as Dwight was becoming more and more frustrated that nothing was working out. And so Adam looked at him lovingly and said, does your camera have a straw and juice in it? And in that moment, he was like, no, my camera doesn't have juice or a straw in it. And he became more frustrated. And he said, well, mine does. And this is the camera and the joy that he has. But it was in that moment that he learned a life lesson, Dwight did. Dwight learned that there is an opportunity for joy in every single moment. There is an opportunity for joy. In fact, this in his early years formed how he would capture brilliant pictures. For another example of where he took a picture, again, in British Columbia, around areas, this beautiful field, the light wasn't perfect, but he got a shot and said, I'll come back and get it another time. He swung through and all the beautiful fields had gone. And it felt like, man, I've just missed an opportunity. Man, what again? I've missed another opportunity to capture these stupid fluff balls, he called them, all over the place. What on earth am I going to do? And then suddenly the boy came to imagination. What joy can I find in this moment? And so he found joy. And he took a picture of a bloom. A change of perspective from a moment of sadness brought about a beauty and reality. And this is the concept that we want to talk about today. Celebration is a focus before it's a feeling. Celebration is a focus before it's a feeling. We all have a lens of joy. Let me tell you today, you have a lens of joy, but yet there are things that stop us from picking up that lens from taking up what really matters and the joys that we do. We would rather focus on the pains and the torments of this world 
instead of what's right. Like Dwayne said, where can we focus on what is right? Every day we get to choose how we're going to see the world. Every day is a choice. Every day is a choice and how we see the world and the situation. And so I know, and please avoid rolling your eyes at me today. I get it. Heard it, Johnny. Let's just move on. And in fact, some of you may have just zoned out right there. Great message. Heard the message. Yep, done. And can I encourage you today to not do that? To recenter yourself and come back. That maybe the cynic in the room, and age does this to us, doesn't it? We become more cynical as we become older. One of my passions and visions for my life, I want to be the joyful old man. I don't want to be the bitter old man. And I know church ministry can do things to you. But my heart and passion is to be the most joyful old man, to be that peaceful guy on the end, maybe still with a British accent, who knows. But that's my heart for us today. Because finding a reason to celebrate or even laugh is not always easy. Uh, we live in a life of, full of suffering and pain. And searching out reasons to party, therefore, is a choice. And it definitely is a practice. And while people around us might look like they're having lots of fun getting wasted at the weekends, trying to live life and life to the full, let's be honest, they're just trying to numb what's really inside. They try to escape. I remember my friends when we were out of the clubs, they were always just trying to numb. It makes for the best conversations, uh, let me tell you, when people are drunk. Uh, you get to really get to the heart of the matter. Um, but I know that they're just numbing. They're trying this false celebration. So there is another way. There is another way. And we're going to be looking at why celebrate and then how do we celebrate. Because the kingdom... Joy is a serious business of heaven, C.S. Lewis says. It is a serious business. The world came into existence when we saw that God spoke into existence, let there be light, and then creation was formed. And at the end of each day, he would say, it is good. And you can imagine this moment as God, the Trinity, out of their love and affection of relationship, begin to celebrate and creation just pours out of them. Lights, lands form, animals, all different crazy types of creatures. You can imagine they were having fun because some of the creatures that God makes looks frankly so bizarre. I'm like, what on earth were you thinking? But he was just having so much joy. And at the end he would say, this is good. And then on the sixth day when he made humanity, he said, this is very good. And he rested. Can you imagine that joy that just exploded into this abundant shalom wholeness? That he just laid back in whatever godlike couch that he has, whether it's a lazy boy, who knows? Because you've got to think about that tangent. If man thought about it, that was in God's mind. Does God have a lazy boy? Anyway, come back to the room. Um, but he's reclining and just basking in the creation that he created. And so for us, we need to understand that joy is a serious business. In John chapter 2, you don't need to turn there, it's a well-known story, but it is a wedding feast. John, in the gospel, opens with the same words as in Genesis, in the beginning was the word. 
So John is trying to pull on our imaginations right back to the beginning. And in fact, the, the way John is structured is actually over seven days we get up to this point in Cana. Like there is, he says, and there was another day, and there was another day. John is trying to pull our narrative minds back to the creation story because he's got an important concept. He wants to remind you of what heaven is all about. And so we come to this day actually on the, it says on the third day, but if you count up the days, it's actually the seventh day of what was a wedding in Cana. Celebration was about to come. And Jesus, who was invited to the wedding with his disciples, when the wine ran out. It's this moment that in culture, and we don't quite get this, when a party runs out of wine, it's just, oh, well, um, maybe a bit embarrassing, but in this cultural moment, to actually lose the wine was actually almost a dishonor. And you could actually bring, there was a historical references of where people brought legal action to the family because they did not have enough wine. They ran out of wine because it imposed. So what actually happened was when you came to a wedding, this brilliant feast of a week-long celebration, in that week-long celebration, people would bring their own bottles of wine to the celebration. That's a pretty cool party, right? Like everyone comes along and brings their bottle. We have a lot of fun. And what it would suppose that you are not well-connected, that you don't have enough friends, or you're not a good host. And so there's this, all this amazing shame around what was about to happen. But how often is that image so powerful for us as we as people run out of wine? We run out of celebration. We run out of things that we long to enjoy. And so we can resonate with this story. Like us, we are the people who are living the life of the wedding. We've been having a really good time, but all of a sudden, the wine's run out. What used to bring me joy now is empty. What used to bring fulfillment is now empty. And so we as people, as we read this text, we resonate with this story that there is a lack. Joy has gone. The celebration has run out. And Jesus turns up on the scene. And I love that Mary seems to have a focus of celebration. And so she comes to Jesus saying, hey, can you do something about this? And Jesus replies, woman, which is an endearment. It wasn't like woman. It was woman. What does this have to do with me? In other words, we suppose, was he part of the family? Like, why do we care? We're not really part of the family. And almost ushering in Mary's heart a focus of celebration. Instead of ignoring what the stumbling block might have been for G from Jesus. Just to try and see, Mary, what are you going to do? What's cultivated in your heart? She returns in faith and says, do whatever he says. And so as he does, he commands or tells the people to fill up six jars of uh, purification jars. These things in the text, it says, holds about 20 to 30 gallons of water. And so he tells them, hey, fill it to the brim. Fill it to the brim of water. And then Jesus does the best uh, miracle. And it's the first miracle. He turns water into wine. It's a beautiful image, and we know the story well. This is the first recorded miracle. This is the ushering in of the kingdom that water is being turned into 
wine. And I think about this, that where there was lack, where there was lack, where there was deficiency, Jesus wants to call us to bring ourselves into that. Come bring your jars. Come bring your water. Come bring what you have, because I want to change it into something of celebration. That's the gospel. The gospel says, come, bring yourself, let the water flow, and let me redeem and restore you. What an entrance that the kingdom has. What an entrance that the kingdom wants to be marked by celebration and joy. And what I love is is that joy has the last say. Joy has the last say, because as the story goes on, we find out it's not only just okay wine, it's the best wine. It's the best wine. As uh, the, the, the person, the officiant of the wedding says, everyone serves the good wine first, and we know it runs out. Then we go to the cheap stuff, because everyone's having too much of a good time. When people have drunk freely, then pour wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the kingdom. Not only is there a renewal from what is empty and missing to celebration. Wine is a symbolism of celebration, but it's the best. And so that calls us to remember that celebration might start small in the kingdom, but actually it's only going to get better and better and better until Jesus comes again in his fulfillment where there is no tears, there is no pain, there is no suffering, that we will be made whole as one family of God. Amen? That's a good thing. And so there is only joy waiting. Joy has, celebration has the last say. And what I love about this story is that God didn't, Jesus didn't just make this miracle kind of just happen for himself. He didn't just sip on the good wine and say this was really good. He meant it for everyone. The kingdom was the entrance in for everybody. He wanted everyone to taste this amazing wine. Because God is joy. Can I tell you this today? God is the most joyful being in the whole of the universe. He's better than some jolly Santa. Uh, but he is the most joyful being in the whole universe. And that's good news today, that we need to understand that, that Jesus wants to overflow out of you. In John 15, 11, it says that my joy may be complete or overflowing in you. That was Jesus' promise before the night of the cross, that there would be such an abiding in the Holy Spirit that we would have such a joy that would just overflow out of us. But there's a choice. Because notice that Jesus said there's an action. He didn't just turn water into wine. He actually needed to bring, for you to bring a vessel. He needed you to bring what you had into the space. And so the question is today, what will you bring to be filled? Now, you can bring cynicism. Johnny, I don't care, done, whatever. And that's fine. You won't get filled. There is a faith that needs to come into the room today to say, I'm willing, even in my questions, my doubt, my sufferings, even in my shame where I don't feel like I deserve it, I'm going to bring a container today. I'm going to open up my heart today and say, be filled.
fill me with this new wine. So the question is, how do we do this? The kingdom, if it's all about, it is the kingdom serious business, how do we do this? And I love this quote from Richard Foster, who nails it. The decision to set the mind on higher things of life is an act of the will. That is why celebration is a discipline. It is not something that falls on our heads. It is a result of consciously chosen way of thinking and living. It's consciously chosen way of thinking and living. When we choose this way, the healing and redemption in Christ will break into the inner recesses, all the crevices, all the spaces of our lives and relationships, and the inevitable result will be joy. And so we want to talk about today is how do we do this through thinking and living into joy. Thinking and living into joy. Because joy isn't just an emotion. Joy, biblical joy, is not just an emotion. It is a heart condition. It's a heart condition and a a quick 101 on what the heart means in the biblical language. It is your thinking, it is your feeling, and it is your will and desire. So whenever Scripture says, with your heart, it actually means your thinking, your feeling, your will, and your desire. So all of who you are is to be filled with joy. Because Jesus' plan is not when you read the Bible, pray, or when you turn up on Sunday uh, to have a joy bomb dropped on you. It's not the plan. That's not his. He can do it. Nine out of ten times, he does not do it. And a lot of times, we turn up to church just wanting a joy bomb. Hey, Jesus, I read my Bible. Give me my joy. Almost like imagine a water balloon being thrown at you. Like, I've done the works. Come give me the joy bomb. Or like we so often, I grew up in the charismatic. I am charismatic. But often, we just came to church to receive a joy bomb. Just to feel good for a moment. And we just used God as this kind of supplemental action to alleviate ourselves, escape from our realities. We talk about non-Christians getting wasted. How many Christians just every weekend try to escape their realities? Because Jesus is not saying, hey, I'm not going to give you joy, but actually he wants to do far more and go far more deeper into us. God wants, this is his vision for your life, he wants you to be a joyful person. He wants you to be a person of joy, all of who you are. But we miss the fact and that we think joy is just a passive kind of sit back in my chair and receive joy. In fact, nine out of ten times, it requires you to be intentionally active. You've got to be an intentionally active person. And we need a practice of celebration that is out and moves us from works, that we have to work for it. So, we cannot will our emotions away. We cannot will our emotions away. Um, There isn't some magic switch, I'm really sorry. But if you have a magic switch, please do tell me, and we can make a lot of money with that book, right? So, come tell me. But none of us have this switch that when I'm full of fear, 
full of anxiety, full of jealousy, full of lust. When I have that, I don't have a magic switch that just suddenly turns everything off in a moment. Like we think that if we just say something, everything's going to change in our situations. Uh, you can be slaves to your emotions. And we so want it, right? We want that moment where we just switch the switch. Can I just have good vibes in this moment, as some of my friends would say. Um, we don't have control of our emotions. But what we can do is, and this is just 101 stuff, we can control what we give our attention to. We can control what we give our focus to because your thinking, or your emotions, sorry, follow your thinking. Your emotions follow your thinking. So if you bring to mind someone... Um, maybe your boss, or someone that's really kind of rubbing you the wrong way right now. Maybe it's a family member. Don't look to the person next to you right now, okay? But bring them to mind, and what kind of emotions start to come up? When you begin to look at social media, Facebook, when you start to see the pains of this world, when that person that you really should unfollow, but you're not, because you like to abuse yourself, and post something of a picture, and all of a sudden this anger, this rage starts to fill inside of you because your thinking, your f emotions follow your thinking. And so you cannot will joy, but you can will your thoughts. Does that make sense today? You can will your thoughts. And so when we begin, that's why worship is so important. When we begin to think about how good God is, when we begin to think, that's why we worship, when we begin to recenter ourselves upon your cross is my freedom, your stripes are my healing. Can you imagine just letting those words all day long fill your mind rather than the comparison of the, what that person is to you, rather than the anger that you feel about the things where you've messed up or you've missed the mark? What if you filled your mind with the goodness of God? Imagine what you would do if you shifted that way. And so thinking is incredibly important. So if we go back to the passage that we read today, Philippians 4 and 4 uh, to 8, Paul says this, rejoice, or this word karate, can we say karate? Karate. Rejoice, uh, be joyful, it's the verb. But also it has a, a plurality around to the word. So actually a better translation of this word would be celebrate in the Lord always. Again, I say it because for you in the back who didn't hear it, celebrate. Celebrate. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the shalom not the kind of like uh, just escapism but the wholeness the shalom your whole body being one and whole and joyful the peace of God which trans, uh, transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ finally brothers and sisters whatever is true Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think, meditate, saturate your mind with such things. So three things just from this, practically from this passage. The mind of joy first requires us to release control. 
those opening words, rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. That phrase that we've heard Jesus use in Matthew 6, do not be anxious about anything. Look to the lilies, look to the birds who are fed. In other words, and we've spoken about this before, release your control. We are control freaks. Just a revelation for you today. You are a control freak. We have so much abilities to control what we do and say. And we need to move to a pace that my happiness is not based on my circumstances. Not that we don't care. We don't put this kind of alleviation of just like numbness to everything. But we know that the end goal is that because I have life in God. That is the centering joy that we need to constantly come back to. Release control and say, God, I have you. You are the greatest gift that I could possibly have. And I know that we're all on a journey on what that looks like. Release control. Give thanks. Fill your life with gratitude. How many of us need to work on that today? I love gratitude because it's reminding me who gave me the gift. When I remind myself who gave me the gift, I remind myself that I am not responsible for the gift. God has given me the gift. I'm responsible to steward it, don't get me wrong, but that he gives the gifts, that he is my provider, that he is the one, and so I can release control knowing that God has it in charge, that he is the one who will bring it about. And let's be honest, this takes an incredibly long time. For those in the room who've walked a long time, it's kind of like a chuckle because we're still on the journey. But our journey, this is your North Star, is to release control back to God, to trust Him with all things, and let whatever circumstances work out, that knowing that God has the best for you at the end. For those mothers who really want to create the perfect environment and the kids don't respond the way you wanted to, for those people who wish jobs would go this way, everything, because we can just bring joy as we release control into that. And that gratitude, giving back to the giver. And finally, focus your attention on what is good. That repetition, it was like Paul went uber on this moment. He was like, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is beautiful, just whatever. Please just think on something that is worthy. Just whatever it is, focus your attention because we need heaven's gaze today. Heaven without, we need heaven's wisdom, amen. We want more of God, but how can we when we gravitate towards the negative, towards the distractions, social media, we need to win the day by focusing first on Him. Remember some of the practices we talked about meditating on Scripture and prayer? The first of the day. As soon as you work up, Scripture before screens. Scripture before screens. Can you just be, yeah, right, faces. Ugh. Got you, got you, right? Scripture before screens. Win the day by focusing your attention and inform yourself by what this says, not what your screen says. Not what your email says, your text message, your social media. Get a habit, get a Bible, get a Bible and put it right by your nightstand. Scripture before screen. Recenter your 
um, hearts. And I would love to ch chat to you if you want to know where to read. I'm here for you. Let's go. Because we want to be people that reframe and redefine what we see. This is what Christianity is all about. We see the world through the eyes of the Father who sees that it's good. We don't believe the narratives of the world. The world is going to hell. It's getting worse. We do not believe that because God called it good and it always will be good. He is redeeming it back to He's reconciling the world. He is reconsolidating the world back to Himself. This is the plan. You're part of the story. You get to see differently. You get to reframe and redefine. But if you're not releasing control, if you're not bringing gratitude, you won't be able to see. You have to release control slowly. Give thanks always and refocus your attention. Scripture before screens to be able to see that. And I love how Paul finishes this verse out in 9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put them into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Because there's a reality that it's not just thinking that we need to do. We need to live with our bodies today. So engage your body in joy. Some of you just need to rest. I see yawns. I see yawns. I see tiredness today. And we need to be people that rest. If you want to engage in joy and you're so tired, there is no joy. You have no container. You have no possibility for God to fill it with wine today. So for some of you, you just need to actually sleep. Go take that Sunday joyful afternoon nap. Amen? Like, what a blessing the Sunday afternoon nap is. I don't know. My entire life, uh, uh, like, that was just the, the rhythm that we had. Whether because church was exhausting, I don't know. But it was just the, the rest that we need to have. Give your body a rest. Look after your body. Actually, like health, guys, if you're unhealthy, if you're not looking after your body, your body will not be at rest. You are not just a spiritual floaty soul. You are a mind and you are a body. Your spirituality is your mind, your soul, and your body. If you do not put your body into action, joy will not come as well. You can think all you like, positive thoughts, gratitude, but if you are not looking after your body, you still will negate the joy that comes into you. And I love this, and my wife's not here, so I'm going to mention this. She is the best at this. She is the best at this. She will do funny little dances uh, around the house always. And it just instantly changes the whole room. If you want real uh, to get into worship joy beforehand, come when she's leading worship. Because during practice, she always starts dancing and doing silly moves. And everyone starts laughing. Like, Rachel, we need to be serious right now. And that's the yin to the yang. I'm a little more serious and she's a little more playful. But we need people in our lives that engage. You know it, right? Weddings are the best because I cannot dance, but I love just a circle that we form. We just start throwing some shapes around. Already, see, people are just, hey, get some of these moves out, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like, get the dad moves out. Move the body because instantly the room starts to smile. Have you noticed that when you move your body in however weird formal measure, you begin to joy? Some of you haven't danced in a long time. Some of you haven't been undignified. I encourage you, close the curtains so no one can see. Put on that music and just let rip. I don't care what you're feeling. In that moment, you will start changing because you are not just a spirit. You are a mind and a body. So create rhythms of celebration. So we've got all the good holiday festivals, which are awesome. Um, 
but we also want to make sure that maybe once a month, um, Rachel has set up some awesome rhythms where we get to once a month hang out with some of our friends that we love to be around. Like, place your body in people's lives that bring you joy. Actually plan it, because you know it doesn't happen if you don't do it, right? Like, that's our schedule. If we don't put it in the calendar, it doesn't happen. And so we need to be people that create rhythms of celebration on a monthly better with people that bring joy to you. And I think the last one's most important. Celebrate others. Because we need to be people that get our focus off ourselves. We have got to get our focus off ourselves. The great endeavor that God wants to make you is a vessel of agape love. He wants to make you a vessel of agape love that loves the kingdom, just flows through like a faucet, like a good wine. You just get poured out and be a joy to other people. And so the practice of actually celebrating others, maybe in this room today, you've just been so self-focused and joy will come as soon as you start to notice other people's achievements. As you just start to become the biggest cheerleader for other people. Like you imagine a community, and this is what we hope, again, we, we hope that we follow Jesus together well, that we are an encouraging community. That when you come, you don't just feel like you belong, but actually you feel encouraged. That actually there's something that someone, and how can we be, after this service, right, you had a good two-minute warm-up, but what would it look like for just go to someone today? Maybe you don't even know, and just say, hey, love, love the outfit. Or just, you know, who are you? Like, just start to bring compliments. Don't be weird about it. Um, but but, bring, but bring, bring an opportunity of joy. Step out of your comfort zone and say, what did you notice about that person? How could you bring joy into their world? And actually, you know what happens as you pour out joy? God just fills it back up. Because you are starting to create a container of joy. You're starting to create an opportunity to God to refill. Because you're saying, I want to be a vessel of joy. I know there's new wine because that's what the kingdom is about. It is a serious business about the goodness of God. And so this is the word of God. And so today, as we just close today, how can you find these simple joys? Change the lens to be the joy of the kingdom. How can we change our focus today to say, I want to look for the right thing? Remember Adam, the boy? Maybe you need to have a camera which just looks silly. Maybe you need to be reminded that you need to see the world differently. That maybe we've got so serious about capturing the pictures of this world. When do you have juice in your camera? Do you have a straw in your camera that can bring life and joy to the full, because that's how we need to say, remember the quote that we need to take away today is that celebration is a focus before it's a feeling. Celebration is a focus before it is a feeling. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message. And we thank you for these practices that you, and you led the way. You led the way in the first miracle of the kingdom of God was to be a wedding that was in lack. And we are those people who have run out of wine. We've tasted of this earth, and we are lacking. And Jesus, it was your joy to turn up and turn the whole wedding upside down and make 150 gallons worth of wine. Because you don't do things in the small, you bring the abundance. Lord, I'm aware that the room, there is many sufferings in the room. And so to change the lens means a step of faith. 
but there's new wine on the other side. Choosing to party when you're in suffering is incredibly challenging. To be positive, to be someone who looks out differently. But we need to have the lens that we choose transforms the way that we look at things. We're not saying that we are negating the sufferings of our own lives or this world, but we know there's something better. We know there's something better. And so Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now, just with hands out just in front of your laps today, and just simply acknowledging where we are in control today, where we are people that are trying to make our own worlds work. God, I pray that our first step would be to realize where we are holding tightly onto all our things and we haven't got a container today. We don't even have an empty container to bring for Jesus to fill. God, for those hearts that have been so traumatized through pains of loss, abuse, through the things of this world, just natural disasters that have come into this world, and it feels like I haven't laughed in a long time. I haven't felt the joy of the Lord in a long time. And Jesus weeps with you. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your sufferings. He sees you when those people hurt you, that distrust. They did you wrong, and it feels an injustice to let go of it. Can I encourage you today, bring a container of joy and you will see healing in that. Because God longs to reshape, even in that pain right there, God loves to reshape and redeem the brokenness. And so God, we want to be resilient in this world. We want people to look at our lives and say there's something different about them because we've found the joy of the Lord. We found a wine that is better than what can be offered in this world. We found a goodness which repairs, restores, renews. So God, we just say, God, come Holy Spirit, come. Let us start to practice celebration. Let us throw. There is nothing better if you want to throw something at the enemy to dance and be joyful in the face of pain, in the face of troubles. God, it's only through your power that we can do this. And so God, give fresh revelation to every mind. Lord, as we give gratitude even now, gratitude of God's goodness, fill your mind right now. He saved you. He brought about the redemption in your life. He is the one who died on the cross and brought about all new things. He is the one who sits on the throne. He is the one whose love abounds and is steadfast. He is the one who is the provider of all things. And God, we just come with our jars today, saying, God, I have an expectation. I want to change my lens today. Would you fill me anew? In Jesus' name, amen.